Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about CanadaLand and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support CanadaLand. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a CanadaLand supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. Our story begins in August when the news hit that Justin Trudeau and Sophie Gregoire Trudeau were separating. And there's always this excitement that hits newsrooms when, you know, potentially very big news hits of like, is this the beginning of a big news story or is that the news? Is this coordinated release of information from Trudeau and Sophie the end of it, or are we going to hear something else? You know, you call up people who know about this stuff and people who who cover parliament and you, you get the gossip because rumors and gossip now could become news stories tomorrow or they're just gossip and they're unsubstantiated because there's always a lot of stuff flying around in these moments. And so what I was hearing was if this is going to go anywhere, what we're going to learn is that the reason for this is that Trudeau is having an affair with Melanie Jolie, one of his own ministers. Now, if that was true, that'd be huge because it's not just an affair. No, that is one of his own ministers. That's a big no-no. That could bring a government down. That could be huge. And very quickly, I got the sense that, like, it's just a rumor. And then a couple days after the news of the separation hit, I started wondering, has anyone run with this? Which could mean one of two things. It could mean that somebody actually firmed it up. If a news organization actually got some sort of smoking gun, 
And you're also looking to see if anybody jumped the gun, if anyone's running this story before it's firmed up. And somebody did. There was a video on YouTube titled Trudeau's Alleged Affair with Minister of Affairs. Love can make one do even the most crazy things. A few days ago, Justin Trudeau shuffled his cabinet. And now you're seeing a reshuffling of Trudeau's life with a separation out of the blue and an affair allegation the next day. Current Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie is making waves over the internet, with sources saying her affair with Trudeau is allegedly the reason the couple separated. Welcome to Street Politics Canada. All right, so we're hearing a lot of the word allegations and allegedly. And what I'm looking at is a pretty slickly produced video, like motion graphics. It says shame, cheater. It's very explosive and sensationalistic. And the logo, street politics, comes up. Somebody has done a certain amount of homework here. They're going through the whole history of allegations and rumors of infidelity from Trudeau. There's archival photographs. There are ads attached to this video. Somebody's monetizing this. Somebody has put a lot of work into this. And I'm wondering... What the hell is this? This does not look like something that somebody just made in their basement, but these days you never know. The other thing I notice is it's doing serious traffic. In fact, on YouTube, when I searched for the terms Trudeau and separation, this was one of the top three or four videos I found. It had almost half a million views and it was trending right up there with the coverage from CTV, from the Today Show in the States. This was one of the most popular videos on YouTube concerning Trudeau and his separation. And I start to wonder, what the hell is Street Politics Canada? When I read the about, it says, Welcome to Street Politics Canada, a channel dedicated to bringing you the latest news updates without the ill-conceived and abundant hypocrisy of the left wing and mainstream media. So, very clearly identifying itself as truthy-boasting right-wing, in-your-face, political YouTube. So what the hell is this? I've never seen these guys before. Street Politics Canada, 65,000 subscribers, 645 videos. Interesting. The YouTube banner image has this graphic of uh, Trudeau and Jagmeet Singh on the left side. They're both depicted ridiculously. Jagmeet Singh, for some reason, is depicted as cross-eyed. Trudeau has this goofy expression. And on the other side is Pierre Polyev looking stoic and heroic with literal laser beams shooting out of his eyes. Going through their video library, accusing Trudeau of an affair is sort of the least of what they've accused him of. Each of the thumbnails has Trudeau looking really ridiculous, and they're not holding back. One of them has Trudeau with devil horns. There's another one with Trudeau as Hitler with a swastika armband, okay? They've called him a traitor, weak, embarrassing. Modi humiliates Trudeau. Trudeau is running scared. He's deliberately neutralized the military. He's sold out. He's hit a new low. He's bankrupting us with the carbon tax. He's in favor of world hunger. He's a liar. He's funding a forever war. It just goes on and on, and this would not really merit comment, except for the fact that, once again, this is one of the biggest Canadian politics YouTube channels. And again, I am wondering, who the hell are these guys? Let me continue. I go to the About page and there's a bunch of links. 
okay? Streetpolitics.com, that's a pretty good URL. Their Twitter presence does not seem to be as big a deal as their YouTube presence, but there is in the bio a link to their US edition, Street Politics US. Okay, so I'm thinking, what if this is a popular right-wing American information source that is now trying its hand in Canada? Let's have a click here on Street Politics US. No, no, incorrect. There's only 287 followers. So this is mostly a Canadian thing, street politics. All right. Who the hell are these guys? Location just says Canada. No address is given. Nobody's name is listed. The narrator is never seen. He never identifies himself. And there's no contact info. I don't know. Street politics, Canada. Somebody making hundreds of nasty videos all aimed at Justin Trudeau. Are they doing this for money? Are they doing this for a political goal? Who the hell are they? I just don't know. I need help. Hey, boss. Hey, Jesse. <laughs> Editor-in-chief, Karen Pugliese, here with me in studio. News editor, Jonathan Goldsby. Good morning. <laughs> You're here with copious files. Uh, indeed. And did we get to the bottom of it? We got it right from the source. We tried to center this around Turu, the aspect, I would say. That was uh, our biggest goal, and I think uh, we, did, uh, we did a good job at this. It was like uh, posting a meme every day about Trudeau until he leaves office, whatever. This is the beauty of the internet. Have you ever been to Canada? No, actually, uh, I haven't been there. That's the beauty of the internet. Wait for it. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Nicole Newell, Sasha Ryder, Matt Jarvis, Melissa Doubtright, Gary McDonald, Nathan LeMay, Ben Beveridge, and we asked the former editor-in-chief of the Toronto Star, Michael Cook, if Canada is better or worse off because of Canada Land. The truth is my only personal interactions with Canada Land didn't go so well. First, when Jesse Brown and Canada Land brought the Jan Gameshi story to me at the Toronto Star, because back then Canada Land didn't have the legal resources to support and produce a story like that. And Jesse Brown and I ended up having a rather loud argument in the Star Newsroom, which is what sometimes happens on a big story. And the second difficulty was years later, when Canada Land produced a podcast that touched on some of my work at the Star. And I got to tell you, they got some critical facts wrong. So I was understandably a bit upset about that, I'm just saying. But the answer to the question, is Canada better or worse off because of Canada Land? Well, the answer is better. And that's in capital letters. Yes, Canada in a, in a small way is better off, but English-Canadian journalism is much better off with Canada Land. You know, over the decade or so, Canada Land has, has grown in size and intelligence and ambition, and the editors uh, understand what's important, what makes important journalism. It's fast, intelligent commentary on the issues of the day, and much more importantly, actually breaking stories. They're breaking investigative stories, and those are the important ones that affect change. And that kind of journalism takes time and it takes money and courage. I admire those Canada Land journalists. And by the way, Jesse Brown and I have long since made up. 
So keep it up, Canada land. Hey, quick message. We're just a few days into the most important crowdfunding campaign we have ever held. We are fighting for our life as an industry. News in Canada is fighting for its life. If you've ever thought about supporting us so that we can do investigations like the one that we are about to bring you right now, don't think twice about it. Do it. We need you to do it. Canada has some very specific dynamics when it comes to media. It's why we're in such terrible shape. We cannot get by. We don't have the population base for ads to support journalism at any kind of substantive scale. So we need direct support. And with your support, we can bring you important investigations. I'm really proud of all of our investigations. I think that we look at things sooner than other people or sometimes differently. And sometimes those are kind of stock and trade news stories that we're just filling in gaps that the news media should be looking at, you know, what what comes to mind. This year, you know, the media was talking about this cluster of uh, horrific neurological syndromes in New Brunswick, but then the government told everybody to, you know, nothing to see here and the media stopped looking. But we received information that that this might be kind of a cover-up and that the, the government was misrepresenting things. And that turned out to be true. And so we dedicated resources to that and put that story back on the map. And then other media came back to the story and now there are things changing and they're looking into those horrific diseases once again. We're hearing a lot about international students throughout the media. If you look back on our archives, you will find an excellent report by Damalola Oname into international students in Canada and how they're getting ripped off and abused and exploited for money. And I can tell you that was the first I heard about this subject. And that was a story about international students in Canada told by an international student in Canada. Our coverage of the refugee crisis, our coverage of the grocers. I think you'll find that we were early to those issues and we added a lot to them. But I like the other stories too. I do not know who else but us would get to the bottom of what is happening with the Liquor Control Board in Ontario. I don't know who but Canada Land would dedicate an entire season of commons to cults in Canada. The trailer for that new season is out now. This is a crackerjack season, and our supporters are going to get that show before everybody else. I don't know who but Canada Land would dedicate time or thought or appreciation for the history of kids' television in Canada, or try to figure out who killed all those bunny rabbits at UVic. I really like these kinds of stories. I want to keep doing them. They take resources. It's super important. It's always the priority that we're going to do serious stories, that we're going to look into things, which we were looking into before a lot of other people. But there are other stories, like today's story... (laughs) that you're not going to hear anywhere else, that you would never hear anywhere else if we weren't doing this. We are off to an exciting start. We have a long way to go. We need you to do it now. Canadaland.com slash join. And for our supporters, we have some incredible extra special stuff, and we're going to give you a taste of that at the end of today's show. Let's hear this investigation. Thank you. Canadaland.com slash join. We need you. All right, Karen, you want to start? Yeah. When you first walked in and said you had heard a rumor about Justin Trudeau maybe having an affair with Melanie Jolie, I was just like, no, no, we're not doing this. What is wrong with you? I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it. No, and your your instinct was right. uh, And we should say our story today is about Street Politics Canada. We have no reason to believe there's any truth to these rumors about Melanie Jolie and Justin Trudeau. 
But when you started going through the YouTube site and uh, the Facebook site, I started getting like really interested because I'm always really interested in who's behind these disinformation sites. And I wanted to know the same thing. Could I find them? What could I find out about them? You studied disinformation uh, at uh, Harvard's Neiman Lab. Yes, I did. <laughs> so the first thing when I started going down these sites, both the Facebook and the YouTube site, they didn't start out as political sites. They started out as posting viral entertainment information, a lot of stuff about like Ellen DeGeneres, like to look like they were trying to build up an audience maybe. You've already got me thinking – Politics comes second. This is just another YouTube channel trying to figure out what's going to get the clicks to get the audience. There was more evidence of that because when I looked at the Facebook site, I found an email address on it. And it was this unique kingsonparade at gmail.com. I later looked up Kings on Parade, and it's like a, a Christian term for Bible lectures, which turns out has nothing to do with anything. Um, well, ding, ding, ding. Everything you're saying is hitting like, <laughs> oh, I get it. It's actually coming from the Christian right. This is coming from the Sounds fundamentalist. Sounds like it, right? That's what I thought. Okay. But then I, I Googled Kings on Parade to see, is that email used anywhere else? And it comes up on two sites. And one of them actually is a sort of religious site. It's called Testimony Journal. It's a YouTube channel with 21,000 subscribers, location listed as in Canada, and it only has 25 videos on it. But there was another one called Special Ops Journals, which plays a bunch of videos about, you know, old military stories, really very American. Operation Red Dawn. This operation was carried out by the U.S. military in December 2003 with the main goal of apprehending Saddam Hussein, the former president of Iraq. It doesn't have as many followers, a couple of thousand subscribers, and it tends to get much fewer hits. Of course we want to know the who and the why. If we could get a name here, then we could figure out, is this person connected to conservative politics? Are they connected to a specific church? What's their motive here? And when I looked at their homepage, streetpolitics.com, that page looked kind of professional, kind of slick. Here's a new media site, every story slamming Trudeau, and formatted not unlike uh, Rebel News uh, or something like that. And there was a link that, that said premium content, and I thought, okay, here we go. Here's the motive. They are going to rage bait, and they're going to farm everyone's anger, and they're going to convert it into direct monetary support. And if you can scale that up where you're doing videos that are hitting 100,000, 500,000 people, the money might be significant, and then our mystery would be solved. They're doing this for money. But when I clicked on that link, there was nothing there. So, okay, you're jumping a bit ahead of me, but um, here's what I was thinking. When I'm looking at the YouTube sites, I'm thinking, here's somebody who's trying to make viral content and make money. And there actually is a broken donate button on their YouTube channel. There's got to be something else. There's got to be another monetary so, source. They're either people who are trying to make something go viral and then they're selling that fire hose maybe to somebody who wants to turn it into, that just needs a channel that's going to go viral for content. Or maybe they were trying to make viral content. But I'm going to get to the web page because the web page was set up to monetize was just that nothing worked on it. Um, there was an ability to subscribe to it at one point. You could buy merchandise, but they hadn't merchandised it yet. So I wanted to see if I could find out who owns that web page. So that sent me down another bunny hole. So the first thing I did is I opened the source code. Because if they're running Google Ads or Google Analytics, that generates a specific code. And then you can search for other sites that are carrying that code and see if there's other related sites. The problem was they didn't. If they're going to monetize it, they should have had Google Ads on it. So 
that came up kind of dry. That's fucking weird. If the point is, let's not monetize it yet. Let's just get the biggest audience we can with the most like viral content. And then once we've achieved like critical mass, now we can start making money off this. But if they don't have the Google Analytics set up, they won't be able to do that. That's right. Like it did look like in the privacy terms as if they were eventually going to add these things. They just weren't there yet. So the next thing was like, okay, how else can I find out who owns the site? And so I thought, well, what if I trace the IP address and see if I can trace it to a server, which I did. And there were only three other sites on the server. I thought, well, these could be related. And so the first one was Practical Solutions BPO. And that's the one that's listed as a phishing site. And it's blocked, and I couldn't even get it on Wayback Machine. The next one was Affinity Equities. And that's down, but I was able to get a snapshot on it on Wayback Machine, and it confirmed that it was owned by Penny Stocks. And Penny Stocks was the third website that showed up. And Penny Stocks is still up, and it's like kind of a really boring site that has a bunch of short stories that just give advice on stocks. It's a really dry read. But now I was able to find a UK phone number. And so I traced the UK phone number and its cell phone number. Uh huh. And then I Googled that number. And I got a link to Geek Lab Holdings, which is a company that claims to own penny stocks. So we know that's related. So I started looking at Geek Lab Holdings, and they actually have a LinkedIn site. And so now I was able to get all the employees and the owner. And I know the owner is Mohammed Ashraf, and he lives in Cairo. I believe he's the owner of that cell phone and splits his time in between Cairo and England. Cairo and England? And then I got the list of employees, but there was one employee on the list that stood out for me. One, because she was the only employee that was not Egyptian. Two, because she didn't list her phone name. She was listed as only Emily with the last initial T, which is unusual for a LinkedIn site. Emily T. Emily T. The point of LinkedIn is to tell the world your name and what you do professionally. Right. No one anonymizes themselves on LinkedIn. You want people to know who you are on LinkedIn. The other thing is just the stuff that she's done. She is American. She's currently the editor at Geek Club Holdings, but before that, she was a Senate aide at the Washington State Senate. She was an intern at Amazon. She was a campaign manager for the 19th Legislative District Senate campaign, House intern at Washington House of State Representatives. So what is she doing working for a disinformation site in Cairo, Egypt? Okay, Karen, that's amazing. Let's review. We begin with a question about who's going to be the first to go public with this completely unsubstantiated rumor that Trudeau's having an affair with Melanie Jolie. That leads us to this viral video from Street Politics. They have a Street Politics US. The Canadian version is way more popular. There's a network of different attempts. Can't figure out how they're monetizing this. Can't figure out if this is coming from a political point of view, a religious right point of view. Basically, you've hit every scammy internet keyword except for dick pills. We've, 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 we've got uh, penny stocks somehow in the mix here, and they're running a few different flavors of internet-y, cash-grabby seeming websites, one of which is heavily invested in sliming Trudeau every day. Why are they doing this from Egypt? And how, and this may be a big clue here, if this is just some completely offshore thing, how do you get the cultural context to write these things? Dictators like to keep the populace uninformed and out of touch with the rest of the world. This is clearly the path Trudeau is pushing for, as he drives us closer to a dystopian dictatorship each day. The liberal government's recently passed online news- Something has always felt unsettling about the prime minister and his favorite junior and cabinet member. 
What horrible thing did narcissistic Trudeau do that prompted this? These pictures may also prove to be of great Trudeau doubles down on disastrous decisions by tacking $60 billion more to deficits through his latest budget. This uncompromising borrowing and spending ever since the Trudeau government came into power it has been completely joined at the hip with the World Economic Forum. This has gotten to the point where everyone believes, or better still, knows for a fact that Trudeau is a puppet in the hands of his masters, Klaus Schwab, and other key members of the WEF. There's actually a content creation part of this where somebody has to write video after video going through the news archives in Canada, and we learn that there is one Emily T who is listed as an editor from one of these connected sites who has a background in, well, not Canadian politics, but who has a background and, and, and cultural fluency in North American politics through her work as a state Senate aide. Two more things that I just want to point out. After I found out about the Geek Lab connection, you can actually find the Geek Lab logo on street politics. Yeah, they're quite open about I, it. I, I just, I didn't know. Like, when I saw it, I never made the connection that it was actually a yeah. company. If you scroll down to the bottom of the page, it just says, copyright street politics by Geek Labs Agency. All right, look, I'm, gl I'm glad that's there because I felt like we were reaching a little bit with the connection, but Geek Labs produces street politics. We know that. So now there was no question. And this is just where I said right. Goldsby has to take a look at this. <laughs> All right. Well, we're getting somewhere now. We know that this is not somebody from uh, the alienated west of Canada in their basement who is making it seem like they have a very slick media. No, this is a commercial enterprise based in Cairo, Egypt. And now I'm very curious about Emily T. Jonathan, who is Emily T.? Emily T. is Emily Torgeson. Torgeson. T-O-R-J-U-S-E-N. I've been able to learn a startling amount about her. Why don't you begin by telling us how you figured out what her actual last name is? As Karen mentioned, her LinkedIn said she managed a campaign for the state Senate seat in the 19th Legislative District of Washington and then went briefly to work as an aide in the state Senate. So the state senator for that district is a Republican named Jeff Wilson. And I figured, like, how many people named Emily could he possibly have in his orbit? Might have been a few Emilys, but uh, Emily T probably narrows Emily, yeah, Emily Torgerson. And then confirming that through other information that matched up with photos that this is the same person. Yeah, she does have a photo on her LinkedIn. Yes. Right. So once you've got Torgerson, you search for Emily Torgerson and photos come up that it's the same person as on Emily T's LinkedIn. Uh, and if you Google Emily Torgerson, the first thing that comes up is news stories from the spring of 2022 about a woman. Emily Torgerson being awarded $8 million by a jury due to her injuries in a 2017 Amtrak crash. Well, that's weird. If somebody has a multi-million dollar settlement yeah. from Amtrak, why are they living in Cairo and publishing anti-Canadian government spam videos? Yeah. How did this happen? Where did she come from? Well, thankfully, this lawsuit took place in federal court, so it's pretty easy to get the transcripts of the court case. And from that, I got so many answers about who she is, why she's there, what she does. So who is she and why is she there? Yeah, feel, feel I'm dying. Free to, okay. The answer to why she's in Egypt is a little complicated and ambiguous. She was a student at the University of Washington because of a language exchange program. She got interested in learning Arabic, became interested in the Middle East, started studying it a bit, decided that she sort of wanted to go into broadly international relations, like diplomatic or NGO type stuff, particularly in the Middle East. Eventually, since you know, she spent some time in Egypt at different points just before the pandemic, spent a while there, I think, living with the family, teaching them English, trying to learn Arabic. And the reason she's there now is she ran away. So she is 26 right now. Oh, that's so young. And she was 20 at the time of the Amtrak crash, which took place on the morning of December 18th, 2017, when she was heading home from university to visit her 
her family for Christmas. The train going south from Seattle towards Portland went too fast around a curve on a new segment of track and derailed from a bridge running over a highway. Uh, Three people were killed, uh, and the majority of the survivors were injured, including Emily, who suffered, among other things, a concussion and later PTSD and post-concussive syndrome. But basically, the story, as told at the trial, was that that devastated her ambitions and her plans to learn Arabic, to one day work for the State Department, all that. But she liked Egypt. She liked Cairo. She'd been a couple times before. Explaining her injuries at this trial, one thing she said is, I think I'm much more sensitive and irritable about certain things. And when a problem arises, when someone does something and I kind of have an outburst or I don't know how to handle it, they say something hurtful, my first reaction really is to run away. So I usually cut off contact with people and I leave it like that. And then the lawyer asks her, is that why you're in Egypt? She says, yes. Hmm. So she moved to Egypt for this, in terms of her permanent move, where she moved back to Cairo, she moved to Cairo in June 2021. This is such a more personal and thorough answer to the question, how did she end up in Cairo, than yes. uh, I imagined you were going to deliver. I feel bad for her, though. That's the thing. is like, if she hadn't gotten this multi-million dollar award for her, it would actually be quite a sad story. And it may still be a sad story. But yeah, no, reading this is like, oh, shit, like the case she made in court is really is of a life quite literally derailed. Yeah, you can see that on her LinkedIn account because it's like she's involved in all this politics and she looks like she's this rising star that's going to be working in Washington or something Mm -hmm. one day. And then she's working for a disinformation site in Egypt. So I think you've just answered how the hell did that happen? So this is her own testimony in court. She moved back to Cairo in June 2021, started at Geek Labs as a content writer in July 2021, and then became CEO in September 2021. Wait, what? Can you say that one more time? She started at Geek Labs when? In July of 2021 as a content writer. She's a content writer. This is an entry-level position at at a media company. By September 2021, so two months later, she had become CEO. Well, there's only 15 people at the company. It's not a big company. There's only 20 people here. (laughs) You're not going to be CEO in two months, Karen. (laughs) So I've printed out excerpts from these transcripts, and this is testimony from March 31st, 2022, which was back when Geek Labs was mostly doing crypto and trading content and only just starting to dip its toe into politics. Uh, So this is from the direct examination, which means she's answering questions from her own lawyer. Karen is going to read Emily's part, and I'll read the lawyers. What is your work now? Technically speaking, I'm the CEO of a small startup in Egypt, which kind of deals with the publications about business in the United States. All of our work is done in English. I manage four people. And I'm not a very good manager at that. I am really just a CEO in title because I'm an American and the work we do is about the U.S. I'm a native English speaker. So in terms of qualities, I'm kind of the best that they have at this very small organization. You say you have four people who report to you. What do those people do? What are their jobs? We have one writer. We have one video editor. We have one social media person. We have a YouTube host. And what is your relationship to their work? I'm not satisfied with their work. This is a constant issue. I cannot... I've tried to teach them how to do research, how to improve their English, how to write more formally. This has never really succeeded. I almost always rewrite their work entirely because I want it done the right way. It has to be done the right way, and people are unable to do that. And this has caused a lot of friction in our organization. Has there been turnover? A lot of turnover. Are you responsible for that? I have fired many people. Are you concerned about being able to keep your job? No, because quite frankly, I am the best they have. At a different organization, this would not be the case. But in Egypt, this is... So that's uh, how she described what she did then. Uh, She sounds mean. 
She, I mean, as she discusses though this trial, and basically she has. She sounds like she has standards, Karen. <laughs> standards. I mean, part of what they talk for her about slam Trudeau videos that these Egyptians just can't meet. I should say that one of the things they talk about frequently in the trial is that she does, as a result of the you know concussion and the syndrome from that, uh, has. Emotional outbursts can't control her anger. And so this, mm-hmm. I think she's speaking about that partly in, in the context of that. All right, let's not withhold sympathy. Jonathan, anything else? Yeah, so something I think is pretty key, and this was actually the very first thing I did when I started looking into Street Politics Canada. It's the first thing I usually do when I start looking to any YouTube channel is I go to the video tab and I click on sort by oldest. I see what you mean. If, if I sort their videos from oldest to newest, the initial videos are some low-performing anti-Biden videos, pro-Putin videos, Putin wants 10 things, the U.S. pushed Ukraine into war, and they're getting like 40 views, 81 views. This is propaganda that nobody cares about. And then their first video that hits above 1,000 is Justin Trudeau, Stop the Segregation, 1,500 views. And then there's another Biden video, doesn't do quite as well. Then Trudeau's back again, Trudeau again, Trudeau again. This is just like a like a bot, like an algorithm that's just like throwing spaghetti at the wall. And the first thing that starts to stick is talking shit about Justin Trudeau. And then that just becomes all that they're doing. And the views go up and up. It seems like this is about the clicks, but I can't figure out how they convert the clicks to money. Quite unusually for something like this, we actually have an opportunity to get a little bit of insight, not into street politics specifically, but into Geek Lab's holding overall and what they may be trying to do thanks to these court transcripts um, from Emily Torgerson's successful lawsuit against uh, Amtrak. And here's an excerpt from April 1st, 2022, in which she's being uh, cross-examined. So, Emily, I just want to go over your CV, as you called it, and some of your experiences, okay? Uh, the first thing is your experience, and it says that you're partly working full-time at Geek Lab Holdings or Lab Holdings. Is that correct? Correct. That's your current provider in Cairo, correct? Correct. And you're the chief executive officer, correct? Correct. And that was from September. You became the CEO in September of last year, correct? Correct. And you said you have about four people reporting to you. Yeah. Was there a time when it was six? We have a lot of turnover, yeah. And prior to that, you were a content writer, correct? Correct. Meaning you would write articles. I would create content, correct. And are you familiar with something called The Night Beyond? This was one of their brand's platforms. You actually wrote some, as you say, content for The Night Beyond, correct? Correct. The material in The Night Beyond was a little more cultural. Would that be fair to say, sort of American culture? I wrote what I was told to write. Was one of the things you were told to write an article about 10 movie sequels that ruined the original? I believe that was one of the requested topics. And that's July 20th, 2021? Yeah. And did you pick those movies? Yeah, they kind of just said, this is the topic. And to be honest, I've never watched most of these movies. I didn't choose the topic. And then one of the other articles you wrote for The Night Beyond, the next page, was eight refreshing foods to beat the heat and keep you hydrated. Is that correct? Yes. And you picked a bunch of foods that you thought people might like to eat when it is hot and dry? I looked online and I found foods and vegetables with the highest concentrations with water. You discussed things like a fruit pizza, an avocado salad, and it is about it is tabbouleh. Tabbouleh, is, is that how you pronounce it? Tabbouleh salad? I don't know. You don't know about the article you wrote? I wrote it in July. I looked up some recipe online. I guess I'm getting two things from this. One is that uh, Emily obviously is in the habit of writing uh, viral clickbait mm-hmm. about topics that she knows nothing about. 
And the other is that the line of questioning in a trial about a Amtrak injury went into some weird places. Let's think about this. You've got 15 people working for this company. They've been at it for some years now. They're having success at building this YouTube channel, but if that's the business model to build it up and then sell off the channel or to sell access to the channel, they haven't done that yet. Can you remind me of the name of the owner of Geek Labs? The owner of Geek Labs, the person in charge of the whole thing, is a guy named Mohammed Ashraf, who, as Karen said, uh, seems to go back and forth between Cairo and London. Mohammed Ashraf, as far as I can tell, is basically a serial entrepreneur. But one of his things, or one of the things he's done, is he had a thing called The Ash Show, the daily financial YouTube slash maybe Twitch show in which like, you know, people stream live themselves playing video games, live streams themselves day trading. Honestly, if this drops a lot, like if this drops like 4 or 5%, I'm scooping up some uh, long-term Tesla. I don't see any reason why Tesla will be down. I know it's the Twitter thing, but like, I don't think it's a valid reason. Ooh, Netflix lighting, nice. Oh, come to daddy, 295, nice. Nice, nice, nice. Guys, I am astonished by how much you have learned. And yet we still don't know the answer to the initial question that, that I asked. How do they make money off of this? Karen? Yes. I think it's time for us to actually try to talk to these people. Now, I reached out several times to Emily Torgerson. Jonathan found me an email address for her. No reply. I also tried Ash. He would not talk to me, but he did text me back to ask me, why do you think I own street politics? So I asked him, uh, are, are you saying that you don't? No reply to that. And that was the last that we have heard from him. So I found some freelance reporters in Cairo, and I sent them to the listed address of Geek Labs Holdings. It's on Street 199. Now, my hope was to get someone from this company on the record. Now, Egypt has become a notoriously dangerous place for journalists to do their work. A lot of things that we do every day over here are illegal over there. Photographing places, recording places. I would have loved a marketplace-style run-in-and-get-you-interview, but I didn't think it would necessarily be safe for them to do that. So I told them to err on the side of extreme caution. Okay, so one of these freelancers actually went to the listed address of Geek Labs in Cairo, and he recorded himself. He narrated what he saw. And later, Karen, you spoke with his colleague, the one who speaks English, to find out what happened there. And he tells you his colleague actually went into the building, went to the door of Geek Labs Holdings, and had an exchange there with Ash. So let's hear that. So what did he ask him about his business? He asked him about the business and about the company that's called the Mubashir Company. And Muhammad asked him about this website and about the details of this website. And he denied any relationship between the company about something like funds and something like the financial consultation. And he told him that he never heard about the news website. He denied all information and his relationship with this website. And he confirmed that the, the company is only specialized in 
funds and financial uh, issues and um, uh, on the financial consultation. It sounds like he denied that he owned the political website and said that yes. he owns the financial website. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's quite something. We actually were able to get a reporter face-to-face with a guy, but he just denies everything. Guys, I still feel unsatisfied. I think that if this is indeed the Egyptian company that has a team of workers pumping out anti-Trudeau propaganda every day, we should be able to actually find somebody who will talk to us about it. But there's one more avenue to connect with a human. Back when we started looking into all this, I googled geek labs and street politics. And one of the very few hits was a LinkedIn profile for a social media marketing specialist in in Egypt who said that he had worked for geek labs earlier this year for a few months and specifically that he was doing content for street politics. I reached out to him and he wrote back. And unless he stands us up, he should be joining me on a Zoom call in just a minute. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool, doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer. And it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody Half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does Help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. I'm in studio with Karen and Jonathan, and um, in six minutes... I am assured that we will be joined on Zoom by... And just one quick note. I don't know what repercussions he might face for speaking to us, so we decided to bleep out his name. Hi. Thanks for finding the time. Yeah, uh, it's not, it wasn't actually a big deal. Well, thank you for hosting this meeting and everything. No problem. And are you in Cairo today? 
Yeah, I'm in Cairo right now. I'm the publisher of Canada Land. We're a news company here, and we do mm-hmm. uh, podcasts and we do videos. We do political videos, uh, mm-hmm. though not as not as popular as the ones you were working on. And I'm a reporter, and um, we're looking at this uh, street politics site because it's incredibly successful. And I just wanted to have a chat and see what we could learn about the kind of work you were doing there. Uh, so in uh, street politics, I, w- I would say I was the cap manager for the social media. So uh, what I was trying to do is uh, we had our already niche audience. So we knew that, uh, that our audience were the conservatives in Canada. And uh, what we tried to do uh, there was just give the audience what they want. So obviously they had a big disdain for Turudu, like they say. And uh, my job was basically directing tasks. So I was working with our video editors because uh, I think you saw that back then our uh, street politics channel had 55,000 subscribers. What I would try to do is I would research the topics that were happening. I would find uh, what is trending, what are the audience actually talking about. And uh, we would make the videos on our YouTube channel based on that. Also, I was hosting the Twitter and what I was trying to do with our Twitter uh, we were basically just trying to see what is actually being tweeted about, what is being trending. And uh, what we tried to do is we had to establish a brand. So uh, one of our brands was uh, we had this challenge. It was like uh, posting a meme every day about Trudeau until he leaves office, whatever. But the thing is, what we actually wanted to accomplish is just make a connection with our audience, I would say, Jesse. That is remarkable. Did you write the videos? What we have is we have a bunch of writers. And uh, what we do is uh, we direct the writers with a task. It's actually not this complicated. Like, I think uh, you guys could do this very easily. It's basically writing the script. You would just find an AI platform. After writing the script, you would present the script. And it would go booming as we try to do. Have you ever been to Canada? <laughs> no, actually, uh, I haven't been there. It's just amazing to me that um, without being t- to Canada, you could create content like every day that connects with thousands of Canadians. How would you get your ideas for videos? W- was it just by reading the news or were people in politics sending you like story ideas or information? Not at all. I, th- I think uh, this is the beauty of the internet, like they say, Jesse. So I'm just searching for the topics. I'm just searching for what's trending and every every information that I want is there. So I think with some research and some effort, you would find everything that the Canadians would connect with. You also have to do some research to understand their language, what slang, because uh, the last thing that I wanted when I'm posting content is to post something ignorant or offensive to my actual audience. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think... Uh, the key for us was making research. The more research we did, the better results we have. And what was the business model? Was it simply about um, YouTube advertising monetization or was there another revenue stream? I would say that the biggest uh, revenue stream was uh, obviously the YouTube channel that we have. We were really trying to do uh, the monetization itself on YouTube was kind of big, but also our Twitter was kind of getting there. It didn't actually get the level of YouTube. Yeah, this was the biggest uh, revenue stream we have. And you tried to do Street Politics US, uh, but it was not as uh, it's not as successful. No, it was not. 
So why conservatives uh, and wh- why Canada? Did you try any other countries and, you know, and, and did you did you try to do like, uh, like, did you care if the content is conservative or liberal or are you just looking for as much traffic as you could get? Uh, well, I don't know about this because, uh, well, I was the social media manager. So uh, what I would do is just uh, uh, that was what our audience, were, that was uh, what they liked. So that was uh, what we tried to do. So um, I was just trying to do my job, I would say. Yeah, well, you, you did an incredible job of it. The level of the traffic was the goal, was basically monetization through traffic size. Yeah, I would say, yeah, that was uh, our biggest goal. And I think uh, we did uh, we did a good job at this, I would say. Was there anybody like politically motivated? Like It's uh, Mohammed Ashraf is the owner, right? Um, yeah, he was, yeah. Did he have any connections to like Canada or to Canadian conservatives or anything like that? Oof, I mean, not that I know of. Mm-hmm. Um, all I knew, uh, all I knew was our task. It's incredible to me that, uh, a company in Cairo could be more successful at Canadian political <laughs> videos than pr- pretty much anybody else making political videos in Canada. It's, it's remarkable. I mean, yeah, it is. It is. I think, uh, what made us kind of successful is that we did our research on the audience and, uh, we used the right, uh, Lingo. I noticed that Trudeau is in every video. Like, is is that like Trudeau is what moves the uh, the audience? Our audience, yeah. Because if you check also our Twitter, you would find a lot of memes, a lot of content, basically towards Trudeau. So uh, we found that the best results were the Trudeau content. Uh-huh. So we focused on the Trudeau aspect, I would say. Did you ever wonder why an Egyptian company was so focused on Canada? I mean, it's, uh, we have a lot, we have other brands. I mean, uh, it's not our singular brand. We had a lot of brands. Are you like conservative or liberal or, or political? And like, uh, are, are you into the content or where do you stand politically? Yeah, I'm a, I'm just a moderate. I'm a moderate politically. I I align myself with any liberals or conservatives. I wanted to practice social media management. Yeah. So I was there with the company. Yeah. So what do you think of Canada after get being so deeply involved in our politics and, and writing these videos? <laughs> I mean, that is a kind of big question. I mean, I didn't know. Uh, um, we, some people was, really don't like Trudeau, huh? Yeah, I was kind of surprised by how much hate he had within his country because uh, internationally, I think he's very successful. So that was kind of baffling for me. I don't know. I mean, uh, the whole time uh, for, for me with the company was kind of baffling to understand the Canadians. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think uh, the the main thing was just... Uh, finding out how big the conservative audience is in Canada. Yeah, maybe your videos worked. He's really doing poorly in the polls right now. People think he's going to lose the next election. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Before I left, I thought this too, (laughs) but I don't know. (laughs) You never know in politics. Yeah. Is there a video you worked on that you like, that you're proudest of, that you think is the best video? Uh, I mean, I did a post about uh, about Trudeau, the one that I linked Joe Rogan with. That was kind of big on Twitter. Where Joe Rogan called him like a vile dictator, that one. Yeah, the one, yeah, yeah. The one about, uh, you know, the the truckers, uh, the truckers. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one, yeah, that was kind of big because uh, he's a public figure. If you put him in front of a camera, he will get you the reach, the traffic that you want. Yeah, Trudeau and Joe Rogan in the same, that's good SEO. That's yes. good, good, for, good yes. for clicks. Is there uh, anyone else who, who worked there for Geek Labs that uh, you think we should talk to and trying to, and trying to understand the whole operation? 
I mean, you can reach out to uh, to the manager in uh, saying uh, it's it's listed on LinkedIn. You you could reach out to whoever is there. Mm-hmm. I would recommend that this meeting would be discreet. I understand. Are they very secretive about what street politics was doing and about Geek Labs? Like, I noticed they don't really have a lot online saying who they are or you know contact information or that kind of thing. Do you do you feel like it's important to them to to be doing this in secret? I mean, obviously. They're in Egypt. If they told people were Egyptians talking in Canada, yeah, <laughs> the company would not get this uh, success that they have. Yeah, I guess that's true. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jesse. Well, okay. How are we feeling? <laughs> Holy shit. Like he just, he, he just laid it all out. It's... But uh, we got it. Yeah. I... Wow. <laughs> We got it. He said, well, I don't know. I don't think anybody's politically involved or anything, but I I don't know if he would know. So it's like, here's your job. We have an audience. You're making videos for this audience and trying to grow it. Who's our audience? They're conservatives. They hate Trudeau, et cetera, et cetera. You know, his job is just to grow the audience and feed them red meat. And then you look at these videos. I mean, for example, here's a recent one. Trudeau causes major Canada-India diplomatic crisis. It has 538 comments. Like, Canadians are engaging with this. They're not just watching these videos. They're, like, screaming at Trudeau in the comments. And they have no idea that these videos are written by a team of apolitical Egyptian millennials who have never set foot in Canada. Or Gen Z. Yeah, well, I use Crowntangle, too, because Crowntangle still works for Facebook to see who is, like, reposting the videos. And they're getting reposted. There's a couple of really heavy users on Facebook. One of the sites on Facebook is News of the World. And it's a Canadian woman who's grabbing content from different places, but takes almost every video that the site has ever published on Trudeau and re-puts it on Facebook. So it's getting out there. It's traveling and it's spreading. So yeah. it's it's not just the clicks that you're seeing on YouTube. It it it's branching out. Yeah, like th- their videos seem to be getting some carriage within our ecosystem. But it doesn't answer the larger question. That if there is an answer, he doesn't seem to know it, which is how did it come to this in the first place? Is there a client involved? Back to that question of why Canada and is it actually trying to influence the election or do something more? Or is it simply to get clicks on YouTube and make money? So what do you guys think? Mystery solved? I think it's as solved as it's going to get. It's as sinister and as banal as you might imagine. And as far as their ex-employee knew, this was simply about getting clicks in exchange for ad dollars on YouTube, which was the straightest line for explaining this. That could be the entire picture or that could only be like, half the picture. Yeah, but it might just be as simple as that. It might just be as simple as Canadian sentiment against Trudeau is predictable, gameable, and profitable. And that made us a target for this overseas really amoral actor. That If that conversation is any indication, they don't give a damn about our politics. We're just an easy mark. I want to go back to what our senior producer, Bruce, had said. Because I thought we'd get to the end of this and we might just get to the fact that we went down the bunny hole and it's kind of banal. And Bruce said that that even pisses him off more, that somebody is going around messing in Canadian politics for clicks and a couple of dimes. Yeah, they don't care who wins or loses. There's there's no political conviction. There's not even a political agenda. It's just a way to make, like, a few thousand dollars. And if that tilts public perception in Canada, if it, if it changes an election, why would they care?
That's your Canada Land episode. And listen, I recently interviewed Margaret Atwood, and our conversation got into everything that's happening right now in, I guess, the gender wars and with trans rights. And at one point I asked her, isn't there something kind of exciting or, or even revolutionary about all of these young people refusing to be put into gender boxes? I'm going to throw something in here that <laughs> may alarm you. How much of it is Peter Pannery? I don't want to grow up. The category I really don't want to belong to is adults. I want to remain a gender-fluid child. Wow. Okay, that took some further discussion with Margaret Atwood to unpack, and if you want to hear the full interview, which was fascinating, become a Canada Land supporter, and you can listen to it right now. If you do decide to support us, this is the moment when we need it the most, and we are just not going to have journalism in this country very soon if people do not make the decision to support the news that they listen to or read. So please go to canadaland.com slash join. There are tons of perks involved, including a lot more exclusive content like that Margaret Atwood interview, which we'll be rolling out in the month ahead. Put us to work for you. Make the show accessible for everybody. Go to canadaland.com slash join or click the link in the show notes. You can email me at jesse at canadaland.com. I read them all. We're on Twitter at CanadaLand. Our website is CanadaLand.com. Today's show was reported by me, Jonathan Goldsby, and Karen Puglese. Our senior producer is Bruce Thorson. Additional production and editing from Tristan Capicione. Our managing editor is Annette Ajofo. Our editor-in-chief is Karen Puglese. Special thank you to our freelance reporters in Cairo. I'm your host, Jesse Brown. Our theme music is by so-called syndications handled by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. You can visit them online at cfuv.ca. You can listen to Canada Land ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's gonna get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.